It's September 7th, 1996, and Who You Are by Pearl Jam is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart. Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Al. I'm Quillen. I'm Trav, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Who You're, the first single (laughs) from Pearl Jam's fourth album, No Code. Who You Are spent just one week at the top of the modern rock chart. Here is a clip. Okay, Trav, uh, 1994 special, you listed Vitalogy as one of your top five records. Um, That's right. Can you quickly reiterate what your general relationship with Pearl Jam is? Yeah, I mean, like, they were one of the great bands of my youth. I mean, I think about being a kid and being enlightened to, like, cool music and they were one of like the huge bands i mean you think about nirvana obviously and like uh pearl jams right there smashing pumpkins um these were bands that were like a little bit ahead of my age you know they each had you know you have nevermind and 10 and siamese dream in the early 90s when i'm like probably in fifth or sixth grade, something like that. And uh, because of that, I always looked up to Pearl Jam as being this very cool Gen X band. Um, They were a band for the generation ahead of me, things that like friends, older brothers were listening to and understanding in a way that I had not fully comprehended. And there was uh, an extra mystique about them because of that. Quill, what about you? Yeah, um, I don't remember exactly what I all I have may have said um, in previous episodes, but um, Pearl Jam for me, I um, was not really a huge fan as a kid. I uh, believe my brother was a really huge Pearl Jam fan, um, and I remember him having their albums. Um, I liked some of their singles growing up, and... Um, as I think mm, probably 10 or 15 years ago, I came into Vitalogy and um, got pretty into it at that time. Um, and uh, since then, I've just kind of always considered them a, a pretty solid um, 90s alternative rock band. Um, 
I respect their um, artistry, their musicianship, their incredible musicians. Um, a lot of their singles, I think, are good. Um, album tracks, some are good. Um, the uh, song of focus today, I'm not going to get into it quite yet, but um, I do recall my brother saying um at, at some point i think when i was in middle school or early high school that no code was their best album and so i've always had it in the back of my head that i would um give this album a, a shot and um i'm glad uh i'm glad i was forced to do that uh this time around and and i look forward to talking more about it yeah i think that i i i fell into uh or got suckered into i think a popular narrative that Pearl Jam was sort of the lesser, um, uh, sort of in a lower tier of Seattle grunge than Nirvana was, and that you know partially because they're they are more classic rock inspired than Nirvana, that they were um, you know somehow I, I don't know less pure or less authentic or or somehow more square. Uh, I think that I had a notion that Pearl Jam were kind of square for a long time. Um, when I was a kid, I, I, I liked the Pearl Jam ballads a lot. I remember buying Yield specifically because of the song Wishlist. And I remember really liking Yellow Bed Letter and uh, Elderly Lead Woman better. Behind the Counter. Leadbetter? Leadbetter. Leadbetter. Bed, bed, yellow, bed yellow Letter Bed Letter? <laughs> okay, anyway. Bed Letter. Lead Beppelin. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. You know, daughter, better man, those kinds of things. And I, I don't think um, that th that necessarily ha hasn't changed, but I think over time I've realized that uh, I like Pearl Jam's punk songs a lot. And I, I believe I've said this before. I don't necessarily always like them when they're in that mid range between the ballads and the punk, which is sort of the anthemic arena rock. So I, I still to this day, I'm not very interested in 10. Um, I, I'm generally not particularly interested in verses except for a couple songs, but I do think that I've found, I, there, there's a sweet spot here that I really like with Phytology and No Code. And, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure about Yield yet, but, um, maybe we can touch on that a little bit today. Yeah, Al, um, it's interesting that you kind of mentioned, like, the purity of Pearl Jam as a Seattle grunge band. I think it is interesting that I think Eddie Vedder was like originally from California and was kind of a hired gun um, when it came to being like the singer for Pearl Jam. Like uh, I think they originally started as members of Mother Love Bone and yeah, at least Green them, River yeah. and things like that. Um, boy, I should have done better research research about this but they were like seen veterans in seattle to start off and um yeah eddie vetter had already sort of established his voice i know that i found this version of uh, a cover of brilliant disguise by bruce springsteen that he had sung before he was in pearl jam and he was like fully formed eddie vetter Huh. Like he just sounded perfect. And he must have been like a late teenager at the time, which is incredible to think about. But um, 
yeah, for whatever reason, they hired him and brought him over. And I think that might have maybe made it seem like they were looking for, you know, they probably weren't friends in advance. And so there's something impure about forming a band like that to to be as good as possible as compared to like, you know, the homegrown kind of Seattle guys who were making, you know, music at that time. Yeah, I was surprised to see in the evolution of this band, I guess this might have been my first really serious look at their history. Their drummer history is like Spinal Tap. Um, The drummer who played on No Code was their third drummer already, Jack Irons, who who came to play on this record. By the way, um, this drummer, Jack Irons, (laughs) he is the founding drummer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is that a is that a Chili Peppers pun? By the way, that's a no. that's a like a late Chili Peppers <laughs> shit song. Yes, yes, I'm yeah. aware. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I checked out the uh, um sort of list of members of Pearl Jam, and um the first uh, the first drummer was Dave Krusen from Ten. Uh, he played on Ten. I'm sorry. And uh, and then Dave uh, Abrusesi played on verses in Vitalogy, and those are my Pearl Jam albums. Those are the ones that feel most exciting to me, even still to this day. The drumming and on Jack those Iyer- records are great. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think he actually had a hand in writing like No Exit and doing the whole five mm. four thing, where the timing's a little bit Incredible off. Incredible drumming and just right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then after that, Jack Irons played on No Code and Yield. And after that, the pretty noose man himself, Matt oh, Cameron, shit. takes over for everything That's after. Right. Yeah. I yeah, I <laughs> forgot that detail man. that Matt the Cameron <laughs> Noosman uh, joined Pearl Jam. Jack Irons yeah. is awesome. His drumming is so good. Yeah, so I guess a, a, a couple. I guess some of these songs originated with ideas that he came up with on his own and brought to the band and said, "Hey, here's a song. It's drums," and then the band kind of kind of joined in and added their own elements. Trav, you look like you have a maybe a, a correction to make. No, no, not a correction. I just think it's insane to think that you would introduce a member to the band at the height of your popularity after Vitalogy, which, you know, in 1994, five, six, Pearl Jam is probably the biggest band in the world. I mean, you think about maybe, maybe Smashing Pumpkins around um, Melancholy, but like they were enormous. And I think that, I think Who You Are is a number one specifically because of the success of Vitalogy and Versus. It was like carryover, where it was like, no matter what they put out, it was going to be number yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, what a other explanation is there for this song and to it's, be number one? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so and it's insane. And... It's insane to think that the biggest band in the world would invite a new member in and have them just be like, hey, what do you got? Give me a riff, <laughs> and we'll build yeah. around that. And then release it as a single. As like the first single from the album, like unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I I think that if we talk about drummers even a little bit longer, I think that they reveal a little bit of where Pearl Jam's at right now. And I think that that 
that's an important factor. So um, Dave Abrusesi, as as Trav mentioned, played on on um, played on versus and yield versus and vitality. Sorry, versus and vitality. Um, he was fired in August of 1994. Uh, some of this is quoted directly from Wikipedia due to personality conflicts with the band members. Um, four months before, I believe, Vitalogy was released. Uh, the bassist uh, stated, Dave was a different egg for sure. There were a lot of things personality-wise where I didn't see eye to eye with him. He was more comfortable being a rock star than the rest of us. Partying, girls, cars. Um, and the other additional thing is that apparently Abrusesi was not with the band on the Ticketmaster battle, which defines a lot of the Vitalogy tour, and Trav, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this timeline stuff, and, uh, and if not the Vitalogy tour, then certainly the No Code tour, but I, I, I might be under the understanding that it might have been both. Sounds about right. Okay, so, you know, Pearl Jam, um, like Fugazi, Frankly, I mean, very, very similarly, yes. we're dedicated to the idea that a ticket to one of their shows should be no more than $18. And the idea of Ticketmaster attaching a 6 or $7 convenience charge to that was unacceptable to the band. And um, they decided to boycott um, Ticketmaster venues, and it turned out to be much more challenging than they had anticipated. I read articles um, about Eddie Vedder, seriously, the lead singer of the band, being on the phone trying to get porta potties brought to, um, you know, racetracks and parks and and sort of these alternative venues in order to escape Ticketmaster, and um, uh, it turned out to be far more difficult than I think anyone really envisioned. Um, and Trav, you know, while we're sort of talking about the ethics of this band, you had mentioned maybe some, maybe that with this drummer, there's some, some information that might suggest that they went a little too far. Well, yeah. So, I mean, uh, with with Abersezi, um I personally I felt like they were doing their best work. I thought he was an incredible drummer. Um, the rumor is that he was fired for buying a Lexus, which seems like they were really interested. And of course, in in the early to mid nineties, the concept of selling out was very like a hot button issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, they saw that he went out and bought this fancy car and they're like, you're not one of us. You're fired. You're <laughs> like, it just seemed like this. I don't know. Al, Al, we, we talk about this idea, this concept of, um, authenticity mm-hmm. being, uh, important in this era or maybe not important or overblown. Right. Being, being valued, but I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily valued by us, but yeah. Sure. Sure. And, um, it seems like on one hand, 
Pearl Jam is doing this incredibly noble thing to fight this enormous corporate juggernaut like yeah, Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster. Of course. Like that's it's always been a disaster. And now Live Nation and everything that, you know, like has to do with with these 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 giant corporate corporations kind of twelve dollar bud light all of that yeah yeah it's terrible and it's it's ruined the experience of anything that you know i mean you can imagine maybe this idealized sort of pearl jam concert there's there's an alternate reality where maybe they had pulled this off this diy sort of touring thing where they're playing in an open field somewhere and everything is accessible. They've got, you know, they've got accessible porta potties and waters that aren't $12 and fences that that they've rented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, like you said, it turned out to be a little bit more overwhelming, but so I guess kind of getting back to my point, like on one hand they're fighting this fight, but then on the other hand, they're like, firing their drummer over this this uh you know perceived sort of like slight about buying a a a luxury car and i mean i don't know i i don't know any of them personally believe it or not but (laughs) (laughs) but i mean maybe there was something to be said for like this guy is not is not like jibing with us right yeah like it's not it's not a good fit and so maybe maybe it was a good call. It certainly seems like Pearl Jam made a lot of great calls throughout their career. They're still going today. They've sustained this fandom for 30 years mm-hmm. and made a really great career out of it. Um, but it does seem a little bit like going a little bit too far at some points where... Um, you know the 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 sellout thing is a little bit overdone. Maybe they're a little um, like self righteous. Self righteous, yeah. Yes, like exactly. Idea. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I, I i i wanted to just watch Pearl Jam play live on on YouTube this week, and um, Trav didn't necessarily have any recommendations for me, but he said that you know there's a 1996 concert from New York that was. Um, at a racetrack or something like that, that they played. And I, I watched, um, the first third of it. I mean, God bless them. They played about two and a half hours. Um, but you know, they were out there playing, um, to a huge crowd. You know, it sounds like, you know, they were successful in keeping ticket prices down to around $18 for this time. But in the in the front, in the sort of the mosh pit area, things kept getting out of hand, and Eddie kept stopping the set, you know, so often mid-song, to talk to the audience and to tell them, like, listen, you need to let people out of the mosh pit if they're uncomfortable, if they feel like they're going to be trampled. Um, you know, I'm going to stop every time, you know, I, I like playing music, but I don't like it enough to see somebody die. And it was like every couple songs, he would stop it to the point where he eventually got really frustrated with the crowd and was basically insulting a lot of people in the crowd. And I got the sense of just how weary his 
efforts to always be ethical were making him and the toll that it was taking on him. And yeah, I mean, I I understand the argument that it's self-righteous, but I couldn't help but really feel for him. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was moved by his frustration and I wanted to go back in time and tell him that he was doing a good job and that he didn't have to win every battle, mm. you know, that it was a huge success that they had decided to fight these battles. And I think that that's part of what's making me feel really attached to this album right now with the song Who You Are that we haven't, haven't even started about yet. <laughs> hey, Al, I just want to interject for a second uh, regarding trying to find um, cool stuff on YouTube to watch. Yeah, uh, I stumbled across um just searching for the the music video like seeing if there was a music video for yeah for the song on youtube and um there is a footage from a concert in 2014 um of them playing no code front to back um that was pretty cool and uh, not yeah not, i definitely uh, want to watch professional, that professional like not professionally filmed like just someone with a really nice like some fan in the crowd with a really nice camera that has decent um sound recording gear and um it sounded it was pretty cool it was pretty cool i made it through like the first like three or four songs and it was pretty cool and I think part of the Ticketmaster boycott also sort of coincided with the um, decision to not make music videos. Mm. Um, even going back to Verses, I don't think there are any videos for the singles from Verses. And Vitalogy too, right? Or And Vitalogy, um, no. Nothing from Vitalogy, nothing from No Code. There are at least, there. there's at least one video for Yield. Yeah, there's an I evolution. For Wishlist, right? An, an, yeah. Oh, well, the there's an animated video for Do the Evolution. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't know beyond that. There mm-hmm. may be more, but... Um, I feel yeah, like I think there sort of... might be a Given to Fly video. I feel like I can picture it, but I might be wrong. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the the fugaziness of it all, the, um, the devotion to fighting price gouging and things like that, all it, it it hits home with me so i do hear an exhausted band on this record and i think that they were an exhausted band um this record to me interesting way to describe it i I yeah spot on yeah so i i mean this song is not it's not necessarily a highlight of the record but i i i do like this song a lot it's um Another song that's, uh, firstly, it seems like it's primarily built around drums and percussion. Um, it is, in a way, a drone. Yeah. Um, does it, on the album, does it um, fade in from the previous song? I think so. Right, I think yeah. the, the, the auxiliary like percussion fades in. Like the drums kind of start, yeah, and like fade in. Yeah, it, 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 cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's just so strange that it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like a single at all. No, let alone a leadoff single for it. Yeah. Album. Well, yeah, I read I, that the, it was a conscious deci- decision on the band's part to keep the size of the audience down. Whoa. 
Like they didn't want to come out with like Bangers. Alive or Jeremy or something like that that was going to be enormous. Like they were, they knew it was an intentional decision to sort of like scale it back. And it, like we talked a little bit this yeah. week um, before recording about the, um, there was an incident where Eddie Vedder had a uh, stalker that I mm-hmm. think, I think based on what I've read about it really freaked him out. Understandably so. I can't imagine what it would be like in that situation. But I think that was a moment for him where he was sort of like, whoa, this is too much. And it made him sort of retreat. And um, uh, the song, I think Lucre is about that specifically. And um, yeah, uh, uh, that's, I think that's an element that gets played into this too, where you're just sort of like these, I don't know, regular guys making <laughs> making grunge music in the in the 90s and you become this enormous band and it's too big and yeah. you've got to scale it back and you don't agree with this wave that you're being brought along with when it comes to like concerts and videos and the whole marketing package. Like it seems like they were able to kind of put the brakes on it um to the extent that they were that that, that they wanted to. And uh that's really an amazing thing. that's really interesting it, it it really is an understated like arty album like it it's um i don't want to get too far into the weeds no i i album. think we yeah, should but... i think we should because there's there's no music video and we're already talking such big picture let's just talk well, about the album I, I think we could talk about the song a little bit first uh-huh. um i i just feel like um it is like, well, I mean, the album is like, honestly, like nothing I really have ever heard. Like it's, I think it's a really unique, really, really unique album. And I, I, I was joking earlier before we were recording that like, um, I'm kind of embarrassed that I sent a text to you guys after listening to it once being like, <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I kind of just like, it's fine, I guess. And 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 Al, you you responded saying, "Oh, it's a grower," and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, I've, of course, I'm gonna spend a little more time with it." And and it, I, you know, listened to it a handful of time, uh, a handful of times more, and and it was just spec. Like, I came out of it feeling like this is a spectacular album. Like, it's yeah. just, um, really just super dynamic and and uh, cohesive, but like very um, diverse in sound and feel. Um, who you are in particular, um, you know, we've already covered that it's a, a bizarre choice for a, a single and a, and a lead off single. Um, I have a hard time thinking of how to describe it. Um, it is a little bit of a drone. Like you said, Al, the drumming mm-hmm. is, is the, the focal point really, um, but it's not loud. Um, there's a cool mix of, of distorted electric guitar and acoustic guitar. There's like some sitar or something in the background that's droning. Um, Eddie plays it. The electric oh, sitar. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. the melody is really um, complex. 
and cool and um yeah it's a really unique like I, i there are elements on the album that i that make me think of other bands or, or other sounds, but like it, it all, it's just such a unique, it's structured in such a unique way. And, and, and overall it's a, it's a really just stunning, fascinating album. Isn't there a, a section of who you are that goes into an odd time signature? Yeah. Yeah. With well, the and drums, like, I mean, and like, well, the drums end up like, at one point the drums end up playing like four on the floor, like, you know, just like a straight four, four beat. And the music is like, I don't really know what the hell it's doing. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and there's like a really cool, um, I I think at the part that you're talking about, there's a really cool, like, um, the, the drummer is playing on like the ride and the snare and the kick drum and coming around. And then there's like a fill that he does, and comes around and hits the snare and like the crash or the ride at the same time. Mm. And it's like this really cool accent that like kind of like starts the loop over. And it, Mm. I don't know, it's just a really cool, just the arrangements and, and the structures of these songs throughout the entire album are so intentional and, and thought out and just like, yeah. And in terms of the rhythmic complexity of the song, the bass is very cool too. Mm. It takes quite a while to come mm. in, but it just kind of does this. Mm-hmm. It just kind of slides up and down, um, but in a way that 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 works really well for the you, the song. You get the impression that they're really doing what whatever the hell they want to do yeah. on this album. Yeah, right, definitely. Like they have no interest in writing. Uh, a hit no 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 and there aren't really any on the album i had never heard a song from this album like i that i can remember i again like i feel like i've said the past few episodes like i'm sure i have and not realized it but i like i don't like any of the other singles i don't remember i i don't i definitely don't remember hearing any of these songs on like 89x or anything like that Mm -hmm. um yeah uh, I guess I can say that yeah. I remember when the album came out, I can remember going to a Sam Goody in the mall and seeing like a, like a, an end of the aisle sort of post with like, it was set up for no code as being this very special prominent release. I can remember seeing that and being like, this must be really cool, mm-hmm. but it was so um, it was so, uh, I guess like oblique or like, um, bad, bad, maybe a bad use of, uh, of words here, but like encoded, like it was <laughs> like, it was, it was like a puzzle to kind of like figure out where I would like see it and be like, yeah, that seems like a really complex sort of thing for me to get into. Mm-hmm. And, um, y- yeah always kind of holding it at, at a distance even knowing um knowing who you are having heard it on the radio and things like that it wasn't anything like hearing daughter mm-hmm. or hearing mm-hmm. um uh better man or anything like that i feel like i remember when this album came out seeing the artwork which is awesome the cover art is 
a really beautiful collage. I mean, not not a collage per se, but um, like so a, it's a, a set grid of, of um, like a grid of photos, right? Yeah, that were taken by Eddie Vedder. Okay, all those Polaroids were taken by Eddie. I Vedder. feel like yeah. I I I remember seeing that. Record. And there are you know there are other albums that have like by bands that have used a similar thing. Um, a, a record that I have on vinyl um, by a band called June of 44, who were like a arty, like math rock band from Chicago. They have an album from 1999 called Anahata that has like a very similar um, album cover, like a grid of like Polaroid photos. And um, I just remember seeing No Code and thinking like, this seems like a different, thing for Pearl Jam like this seems artier and more interesting even though I feel like the artwork and the packaging for Vitalogy was so um oh yeah so crazy and 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 artful and and but this there were like appendices and different like sort of uh like faux sort of medical yeah, like journal yeah. pages in the Vitalogy artwork. Yeah, it, it yeah. was like, it, it's that's like the packaging for that record was pretty insane too. And yeah, but, but still seeing this, I just felt like, oh, this is such a, seems like a different thing and seems like maybe like it would go over my head. And um, I mean, now it's, it's just right. It's just like a, a thing that I was surprised that I didn't, care for at first on first listen and now i'm like this is totally something that i would get into and 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 love yeah so um like alec you mentioned that this is something that you're you've been very excited about is there something that like grabbed you about it when we started to um do research for the the song and the album or was it just this sort of comprehensive like uh, like a groundswell almost of like everything about this seems seems to be fascinating or interesting or right. Well, I think that one thing that happened here is that I have never really loved a Pearl Jam album before. And part of that might come from a sense that Pearl Jam is, is someone else's band, you know, 10 certainly as a massive hit record, um, wasn't something that I felt like I could maybe take ownership of. And sometimes that's a helpful way to get into a band. It felt like no code was a little bit of an orphaned child. Yeah. And, um, wow. and, and I think that listening to that pretty quickly, I, I kind of sensed, maybe this is a, a weirdly narcissistic sentiment in a way, but I sensed that this album could be mine. And I very quickly, was able to develop a personal relationship with it. And a lot of that might have to do with, as Quillen says, the fact that I didn't recognize any of the songs. So there was no kind of like baggage, uh, um, other people's baggage associated with any of these songs. I was able to sort of feel like I was maybe speaking more directly with the band or hearing them more directly. But I think that one thing, a vibe that I get from this record is I think that everything is a, a bit understated. Um, and part of that might be playing for a smaller audience. Even the that rock I, songs are understated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the possible exception of Hail Hail. But, um, you know... I, I think it's, I may as well go into talking about the first track at this point. The first yes. track is, um, 
the, the, musically it's repetitive, but Eddie Vedder really never repeats a melody. Um, mm-hmm. And his energy changes sort of from verse to verse. And it's such a sneak attack. It, it feels like such a nothing song the first time that you hear it. But um, I think over time I came to realize that this song was so intimate. Mm-hmm. Seek my part Devote myself My small self Like a book amongst the many Vocal performance is, I think, probably my favorite Eddie Vedder vocal performance. It feels very vulnerable, and it has a very subtle climax to it. And I mean, I probably listened to it six or seven times before I realized that I loved it. But um, I feel like a lot of the record feels that way. And another comparison that I've made to a band that recorded, you know, 15 years after this is that... um, my two favorite Walkman records, um, You and Me and and Lisbon, I felt like th- th- that those two albums had a similar vibe to this. And I think a lot of it is just that it just feels like a band in a room. And maybe even the fact that you can hear the room in the recording, I feel like, in this and in those Walkman records. Uh, there's a lot. Um, and then, I mean, just to go through the track list... Hail Hail is like a really great rocker and the the guitar chords I actually sat down with the guitar a couple times and really casually like I actually never even listened to the recording while I was trying to play guitar um but I I I tried to play kind just kind of figure out what that main riff was and um I think that there are at least two guitars playing simultaneously but uh they're yeah. doing some really cool stuff on that main riff and the way that it creates a little bit of a staggered rhythm with the drums playing dude um right the drums playing relatively straight yeah in contrast to the guitar chords yeah yeah keep going with hail hail but i i'm gonna need to go back to uh sometimes um but yeah on hail hail uh the the drums are straight um four four beat standard rock beat um basically um and the guitar one of them is like just kind of like playing descending chords right like lightly at uh, the part that i'm imagining that that you're talking about and then there's this one lead kind of guitar lick that 
is not necessarily in the same time signature as anything else that's going on. Maybe it's in threes or something. It it reminds me of like emo. Like it sounds like yeah. something from yeah. like Texas is the reason specifically uh, is like the band that it made me think of, or or even Sunny Day Real Estate. Um, it, it's a yeah, just a really cool part, and it it's a really raucous song. Like it's. It is maybe the most unrelenting like rock song on the album, but I still feel like, like Al, you said you didn't think it was an understated song. I th- I think it still is understated because mm-hmm. the part that we're I think we're talking about, that part is rocking, but it still sounds kind of thin. Like mm-hmm. it does not sound big. The drums sound big, but the the disparity between what the two guitars are doing makes it sound. Um, like spaced out but like thin um and it's cool it's such a cool move um yeah they're almost like hum chords yeah kind of yeah 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 i just want to say with sometimes um the opener that's like and trev you kind of called it out in our text thread yeah that is like quintessential like awesome opener for me and i i didn't I I was like whatever the first time through and 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 as I listened to it more and more yeah it's like that really cool understated unassuming like meandering intro to an album it it made me think of um uh a life uh a life of possibilities by the yeah. dismemberment plan from emergency and I completely different feel but like just that kind of sparse um uh, well Dismemberman opened open for Pearl Jam around that time. Oh right? interesting. And the European tour that was their big sort of like when they were on a major label for brush like a with success, yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna be able to talk about this album for like another hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's really a lot to talk about. I just I, I, I gotta throw in that like I, I feel like Alex's use of words to describe this so far have just been like so precise yeah. and open up the world of like what it is. It's weary. Um, the band is exhausted and it's like this orphan child of an album. Mm-hmm. Like those three things describe this album so much better than any, any number of words I would have used to describe <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, I just I I'm looking forward to hearing what else you have to say about the the album. Yeah, tracks. I mean I mean just should, a couple more things about songs. Yeah, Quill. Should, I was gonna say should we like talk about maybe the other singles and then kind of have a free for all about other songs? Yeah, sure. Um, I was actually gonna mention so Hail Hail so, was yeah. a single. It yeah, it was a, about, a modern yeah. rock number nine. Um, it did slightly better on the modern rock chart than the mainstream chart, but um. Either way, I do not remember hearing Hail Hail on the radio uh, mm. as a young person. Mm-mm. I want to say I do. I okay. do. Um, and that was probably, and still is, the best song from the album. It would have been a, a it would have made more sense as the leadoff single, for sure. Right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So from there we go to Off He Goes, which I guess you could say is sort of this record's uh, Nothing Man or... Exactly. I was going to say Nowhere Man, which is nothing, mm. man. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
a, another very understated song, uh, but I think I think up there with the the other kind of just Pearl Jam guitar ballads, acoustic guitar ballads. I think this, this was um, rules. I think yeah. Off He Goes is an amazing, amazing autumnal like uh-huh. folk rock song. It's it's awesome. It's so throw it on the fall mix, baby, dude. Absolutely, yeah. I already <laughs> added it to my like ongoing Spotify hidden secret playlist that I'm planning for fall 2021. Yeah, it is such a great folk song. Like it's just the melody's amazing, the guitar's great, got that acoustic. Uh, not much picking, uh, which for me, fall music is like picked acoustic guitar and mm. strings um but it still has that that fall vibe which i'm just a sucker for and uh yeah it's definitely one of my favorite songs on the album for sure yeah there's some subtle touches in it there's a there's a bar of two and sort of i guess what you could call the chorus or the pre-chorus um I, I I guess if I imagine the songs in C which I I don't I have no idea there's this uh F E A minor um that that happens pretty regularly that I I like yeah. a lot yeah It's um, that hit what that yeah go ahead um <laughs> you mentioned like I guess the the singles that are listed are Hail Hail and Off He Goes but I swear I remember in my tree and red mosquito being singles Hmm. Okay. or songs that I heard on the radio. Hmm. Um, I, and I don't, I guess have any proof of that other than I guess what the songs are. Um, if, if who you are is a single in my tree could absolutely be played on the radio and yeah, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Red mosquito is, Definitely uh, capable of being a single, especially with that second half that turns into the sing-along halftime sort of thing that happens there. Yeah, In My Tree is another one that sounds very much like it started with drums. Oh, absolutely. Tribal drumming. Really mm-hmm. incredible drumming. I Jack Irons like destroys on this album. It, mm. I feel... Um, what I said about, um, Matt Cameron, um, whatever episode it was, uh, ago about his drumming on, um, uh, down Down in the upside. Yeah. Um, Down in the upside. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like Jack Irons is a different drummer. He's got a little more flair maybe, and a little more, um, he's doing some more like intricate artier things, but like he is hitting with like a certain sort of power and precision that just, I I think that why the drums sound the way that they do and why they sound so good have more to do with how he is playing than like who they're recording with or what they're recording. Like I think that he is one of those drummers that just, you could probably record him playing in a, a big open barn with a, the shittiest Radio Shack mic you can think of, and he would make it sound good. Um, he's just like that kind of drummer. Um, and that is, I think, apparent on In My Tree. He just, the, the best thing about it is the drums. Um, also, like the punk guitar that kind of comes in. 
um, a few minutes in. It's like a playing bar chords with distortion mm-hmm. that comes in at one point. Uh, that's kind of a cool mood move uh, because it doesn't really fit with the like tribal drumming. Yeah. But, um, totally. Do you cool. hear how that song has sort of a Walkman vibe? Yes, that song and um. I think a lot of it, honestly, Al, has to do with the drumming, even though yeah. the drummer Because Walkmen have a killer drummer, too. Yeah, and he's an entirely different type of drummer. He is not as yeah. flashy, okay. but yeah. he does do certain things where he uses the entire kit um, in a beat, uh, uh-huh. including the toms and the way he, uh, like the dynamics that he uses that are, are very similar. Um, I it, it took me, when you first said it, in our text thread, I was like, hmm, I may have noticed that on like one song. And then listening back, I was like, oh, okay, I, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Two other songs that I definitely want to make sure to talk about. Um, one is Mankind, which is a yeah. totally straight punk song. I thought at first when I was listening to it that Jay Maskus might be doing yeah. guest vocals. I thought it was Lou Barlow. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it sounds like Sebado. Like it sounds like a straightforward like so, poppy indie rock song. Uh, apparently, that's Stone Gossard on the uh, the vocals, but. Um, Great, great, yeah. straight to the point. That could uh, have been a single pop punk song, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, the other one uh, that I really particularly like is "Around the Bend," which um, has a little bit of a lullaby feel, sort of like a traditional song booky kind of feel. Um, good, closer. but I, yeah, I, really I feel like the 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 sort of the the weariness and the um vulnerability are very audible again on that track um and also it has the same it it ends the album in the same sort of way that like Yola Tango would end an album with a Burt Bacharach song uh like like on uh, I can hear the heart beating as one um it feels like they're reaching back into sort of like a timeless playbook mm. and um it, 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 again, another one that I think has an it has it's understated, but if you let it, I think it'll pack kind of an emotional wallop. So, I know that you two probably have other things to say about this record, but I I bought a a, a copy of it on vinyl this week, and I I'd already texted you two about it, but it's this the second most expensive record I've ever bought, but that's the degree to which I'm feeling this record right now and i i i gotta say i gotta connect it to every all the shit that's going on in the world and thinking about i'm thinking about eddie vetter fighting a losing battle and uh just i just feeling in love with 1996 eddie vetter and Mm. wanting wanting to give him a big old hug love it Love, Fantastic. love that positivity. Fantastic. Love, love that take, Al. I, I do have uh, three more songs that I would like to mention. Um, 
I will start with Smile, which is a direct, like, Neil Young kind of homage, right? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of Neil Young influence on this album. There is. Sure. I, I think Around the Bend is another uh, of the, of those songs. Um, and and um, uh, Off He Goes as well. But um, I think Smile is, like, like totally sounds like a song that Neil Young would have written. And I the melody is is very much in I'm not really a, a Neil Young person. I I'm not really a, a big fan at all, but um it it worked for me on this song. Um it's maybe a little corny, but um I don't know. The melody is really good. Eddie does a really really good uh Neil Young um tribute on this song. That the the Merkin Ball EP that came out it came out after Vitalogy and almost in conjunction with Neil Young's Mirror Ball uh-huh. um, was sort of a transition into this. And yeah. you can, you if you're looking for it, you can see that um, influence happening throughout yeah. the album. What's the story? Is it before or after this that Eddie Vedder got food poisoning at a show and Neil Young came out and played the rest of the show? Oh my God. Whoa. Yeah, I've there's, never heard that. That's there, there is a story. I want to say that it was in San Francisco, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I would say that um, Neil Young on a lot of the records that I like the best, like Zuma, some of the records with Crazy Horse, those records really sound like three or four dudes in a room mm. with a lot of space, um, uh, playing loose, and um, I can see how that vibe is present here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another song I really liked was Habit, which is just a big, dumb, fast rock song. Yep. Um, yeah. But it's, it rolls. Um, and then lastly, um, the, uh, penultimate song, I'm Open. Yeah. Um, I think is just completely stunning. Spoken um, word, kind of a butthole s- surfers ripoff. Sp- <laughs> <laughs> Spoken word, uh, really just unassuming, like chorus, I guess if you can call it that. Um, Eddie's vocals when he's singing sound very weary, very tired, very strained. Um, there's like this really nice picked guitar part that's happening there. That I don't know. It just kind of sounds like like the ballad on like the best nineties, like Matador, like indie rock albums. Like it sounds like a ballad Mm -hmm. from like a pavement album or like archers of loaf or, um, something like that. It's really beautiful, mysterious, dark sounding song that I just, um, haven't been able to get out of my head the past couple of days. I've been really, um, fixated on this song. That about covers it for me. Okay. T, anything? No, you guys have covered it so well, and I'm so delighted that um, <laughs> we've covered this album to the extent that we have. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, an overlooked, underappreciated album that um, deserves more attention, and you guys have said a lot of great things about it. I don't have anything to add that you haven't already said. 
Okay. Isn't it about time we're talking about Pearl Jam? Like, well, right? like, yeah. I mean, that brings up the idea that you know, do we do a Pearl Jam special? You know, we there we do have a, a Pearl Jam song on our agenda. So, um, our compromise that we discussed was that we would um, open the doors up a little bit more, and before we move on to the charts, that we would do like we did with REM ages and ages ago. Uh, we would do our Pearl Jam top fives. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's take a before quick we break. go into yes. those uh, <laughs> top fives, and we'll talk about our top five Pearl Jam songs of their entire discography. <laughs> My my fifth favorite song from Pearl Jam is the song Do the Evolution, which is from Yield, but my preferred version is from the live album Live on Two Legs, uh, which rips a little bit harder. <laughs> it's a it's a beaut. I thought you were gonna say rips just a little bit of ass. <laughs> Just a just a teensy bit of ass. <laughs> That's a great one. That's one of the great Pearl Jam punk songs. Cool. Uh, I can go next, Al, unless you want to. No, go for it. Okay. Uh, my number five favorite Pearl Jam song is an obvious uh, one. It is called Daughter from Versus. Um, I've always had a, a sweet spot for this song, a soft spot for this song, I should say. Um, great groove, acoustic guitar, ripping drums, drums, maybe a little more intense than necessary for the song. Um, really great singing from Eddie Vedder. Great, great melody. Um, and, uh, cool bridge slash chorus, I guess. I don't know what the, the weird chords that come in periodically throughout the song, whatever that section is it's a it's a good it's a really really good single from pearl jam one of my favorites yeah open tuning open tuning that helps yeah i chords i came i came very close to putting that uh on my list and and chose a a similar song um my number five is hail hail from no code we just talked about it a whole bunch so um that's that all that's all i have to say about that trev number four (laughs) Well, my number four is Hail Hail from No Code. So, <laughs> Quillen. All right. My number four, f- my number four, four is, uh, I was having a hard time. I'm going to go with I'm Open from No Code. Wow. Um, great. Yeah. I, on my, my notes, I have sometimes slash Hail Hail slash Off He Goes slash I'm Open. Um, <laughs> I just, I have become pretty obsessed with this album and that batch of songs in particular. I'm Open is the song that I am most 
uh, fixated on right now. And um, I'm going to go with that one as my number four. Awesome. Um, my number four is uh, elderly woman behind the counter in a small town from Versus. Oh, I'm so um, glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is uh, just another example of how beautifully Pearl Jam can write a, a single ballad. Um, you know, I think it's up there with Daughter. Um, this one's a little bit slower and a little bit more reflective. But I think that it is the best of the uh, gentle Pearl Jam singles. Um, back to Trev. Fantastic pick. I'm so delighted you picked that. I, I was discouraged. Somebody said something about like elderly woman being like this uh, a dorm room song that like somebody in like college would play on their acoustic guitar to impress girls and i was like oh that's not right like it's such a good song yeah it's great anyways that part where he says i just want to say hello it's like (laughs) (laughs) that's right so number three um my number three goes back to vitalogy and uh, my my third favorite Pearl Jam song is "Not for You." Um, it is a, like a, a very much an anti sellout song, and it was sort of the beginning of their idea of like, you know, we're not playing these songs for uh, a bunch of jocks and homophobes and everything that Nirvana wrote in their their liner notes to Incesticide. Um, it's a it's a great song. It's a three chord song all the way through, I think, and uh, I just love it. Love it. Sweet. My number three is also from Vitalogy, and it is Last Exit, um, the opener. Um, when I got into Vitalogy uh, ten or so years ago, um, when I put it on, and um, having never heard it all the way through before. You know, song just kicks off with last exit, starts off with those drums and uh, some hoofs from Eddie Vedder. And then everything just kind of comes in. And uh, it was just a really mind blowing um, moment for me. Um, just hearing hearing that song, having never heard it before and, and just totally stunned me. And, and the song has stuck with me ever since. Well, my number three is also from Vitalogy. It is uh, perhaps the biggest single from Vitalogy. It's Corduroy. through phase after phase every every everything that happens in this song is a hook in some way or another it's very heavy uh but it also has uh, a very melodic chorus it's a very catchy song um 
Yeah, everything about this song I think is great. I think uh, that's my final single um, uh, for Pearl Jam at number three. And so I guess that means that that's my my favorite of the Pearl Jam hits. Trav, let's go to number two. All right. So um, (laughs) coming off of what is one of my favorites, I will probably return the favor with one of your favorites favorites i assume my number two is the song leash from verses Um, that song fucking rocks. Yeah, it does. There's There's no way around it. Oh my God. Leash is incredible. Um, what a ripper. Um, don't know what else to say about it. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that... The riff that leads into that chorus, they go the bum 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 bum, and then yeah. from there, that chorus is so. I mean, it's one of those things you could just listen to on a on a on a loop, and um, the sentiment behind it is just one of the ultimate fuck off and die songs. <laughs> Um, as just a statement of like defiance and 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 independence and uh, yeah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, one of the things I guess that comes to mind is 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 hum, um, where they're yeah. playing like really heavy, hard chords that are also like super melodic, and uh, there's a lot of feeling behind them. Yeah. Um, man, leash rips ass. All it of it. It sure does. It sure does. Quill. My number two is Corduroy from Vitality. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, I wonder how far this will go. Hey. Anything else about Corduroy <laughs> that we haven't said? No, it's just a perfect song. All right. Well, uh, my number two is Sometimes from No Code. We already talked about it. It's track one on No Code. And it's sneaky. Give it a chance. Um, <laughs> so good. Trav, what's your number one? Corduroy. <laughs> it's Corduroy. Corduroy is perfect. It's such a great it song. Is. It's perfect. All those hooks, like Alec mentioned, tons of hooks at every, like the verse, the chorus, the intro, the bridge. A- excellent. And um, you know, I, I I believe the song's about like somebody selling a jacket that Eddie Vedder wore um, a corduroy jacket that he wore um, for like, you know, designer prices or something like that. And feeling like he's being co-opted in some Mm. way, Um, which I think just kind of adds to it. I mean, like that Mm -hmm. was sort of a, um, uh, something that he was experiencing before getting into all of the things that we talked about with no code Um, man corduroy 
rips a bit of ass. <laughs> <laughs> it is perfect. I the the chorus is like one of the great best choruses from the nineties, right? Beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's, it's an yeah. insanely heavy, powerful, amazing chorus. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, my number one favorite Pearl Jam song is Given to Fly from Yield. First he stripped, then he was stabbed by faceless men, fuckers, still stand. I knew that. I really did. You did not know it was my number I one. I did. I well, you I did not it think it was going to be my number. All one. right. No way. <laughs> but you, yeah, you, you're right to think that it was in my top five. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I, I, it. I think "Given to Fly" is a perfect song. It is um, their most mainstream emo jam. Hmm. Um, it has incredible drumming from Jack Irons. Um, irons and uh yeah i don't know there's just there are so many beautiful layers to this song between eddie's gorgeous melody um really great i don't know if it's two or three guitars i know they sometimes do three guitars um really cool intermingling guitar parts cool lead guitar lines popping up here and there in random places um cool uh mellow chill verse with um kind of the tribal drumming thing and um rock and choruses the ending is a really beautiful moment um i don't know if the song is in open tuning or drop d or something but the even like with the ending with clean channel guitars the guitars sound really thick and full um and it is just just in every way just a, a very quillen sounding song um, so that's my number one. All right. Well, my number one is Leash <laughs> from Versus. Um, I've already said what I've got to say about it, but I, we've got some clear consensus picks, which is uh, which is interesting. I, I think we've partially consciously avoided, but mostly it's just been chance that in all of our top five lists of any type, we have. I don't think any of us have ever repeated one another before. So the fact that we came came together around Corduroy and Leash uh, and Hail Hail. I think Nirvana. When we did a top five for Nirvana, I think we we did. Did we? Okay, mm-hmm. that, maybe that maybe we did. I think that may have been the only time. Okay. Well, um, let's move on to our other portions of our show. <laughs> um, we've got a couple of repeats on the charts. So our mainstream rock number one is still Burden in My Hand by Soundgarden this week. 
And our number one pop song is still the Macarena by Los Del Rio. Um, mm. Other modern rock uh, chart highlights that you all see? Yeah, so, I mean... There's a few. The main one. The main one. Number six. Uh, oh. No, I'm sorry. Number seven. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Ebo the Letter by R.E.M. Yeah. You guys love this song. Yeah, speaking of top I fives, I, I believe this was uh, my number five top R.E.M. song of all time. I don't yeah. like this song at all. Huh, interesting. Mute. That's all. I, that's, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. I thought it was worth, you know, it's a song worth, worth paying attention to. But uh, You're a real shit. Don't like it. <laughs> Your that opinions are given is. to fly. <laughs> Man, Ebo the Letter. That was a big deal. I mean, 1996, it was their first single after the Monster Tour and after that huge layoff when they were going on, on tour for like you know, 18 months or something ridiculous. And they came back and then they put that out and it was like, okay, this is the next step. And it wasn't a clear sort of like hit, but it was like mid-tempo, beautiful, um, open chord kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, back to basics kind of thing for them, I think. Uh, there's Novocaine for the Soul by Eels at number 12 right now. Uh, not much to say about it because we will have an episode about it. Um, mm-hmm. At number 16, there's 6th Avenue Heartache by the Wallflowers. I think this is the first uh, appearance. Well, maybe not altogether in the charts, but the first appearance no, I that think it we is. see. Yeah, I um, think it is. I don't love that song. Uh, there are songs from... Uh, that Wallflowers album that I do love, um, One Headache and One Headlight. One <laughs> 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 One Headache by the Wallflowers, <laughs> and also um, we'll have an episode on on One Headlight. Oh, good. Uh, also the dis the distance by the Wallflowers. That's the difference. The diffidence. The difference is my jam. The difference is okay. my jam on yeah. the Wallflower album. Uh, at number 25, we have If It Makes You Happy by Sheryl Crow. We have talked mm-hmm. about this song on our Sheryl Crow special. Um, I think it slaps. Uh, <laughs> at number 35, we have Ocean by Sebado, which I'm very surprised to see a Sebado entry. I feel like I was made to to feel that Sebado was a weird band and I don't think that they are. I think they're just an indie rock band, right? Like a standard Matador yeah. so I, pop 90s indie rock. Early Sebado I think is pretty gnarly and challenging. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So I I remember people playing me some Sebado when I was younger and and not being interested and I think that, you know, as an adult I've just kind of made peace with the idea that I don't understand what Sebado's about or what Sebado sounds like. I didn't recognize this song, but I sought it out and I loved it. it. It's good. This song is yeah. a great poppy indie rock song for sure. Yeah. It used to be I tell you all my secrets Giving you the credit you deserve I guess you didn't care to lose or keep it And we never quite connected from the first And I wish I had a way to 
The seminal album is Bake Sale, right? I remember that being bandied about. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure Bake Sale is the is the the one that's really highly regarded. And I it's it's good. It's a good album, but um I not weird or like challenging or anything like I thought Mm Seminole was supposed to be. It just yeah. It's cool. Ocean is awesome. It's a totally slapping song. Um, yeah. The last song that I have to draw attention to is at number 36 by a little group called Gegita. It mm-hmm. is called Whoever You Are. It's a song that fucking slaps. <laughs> That's it a five-star boy. It's a five-star song for me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, baby. I, uh, just interesting things about this song. Um, uh the album that the song is on um, was released on a record label called Luaka Bop, which is a label that I, I don't know if it still exists, but it did exist into the aughts and into this, this century. And it is a label that David Byrne of the Talking Heads mm-hmm. is invested in or partly owns or something yeah I which think is, he's a, at least a co-creator if not the sole creator it, it's a it's a really strange thing and and i just think that's that's a an, an interesting um little detail about this album um for me this song feels like it's older than 1996 i feel like i remembered the song and it took years for me to figure out who wrote the song or to, to hear the song again after my childhood. And I, I think Trev, you may have had a, a hand in, in helping me rediscover this song. I feel like I remember we listened to it at your house. On like, a YouTube uh, yeah, uh, just, deep dive, right? I, yes. And I don't yeah. remember like if we were talking about like, just like vaguely remembering it and, and discovering it or if it happened to pop up on one of your YouTube playlists or what it was. And I was like, this is it. I remember this song. <laughs> and loved, I loved this song as a kid. And I swore that it was like early 90s. Hmm. And uh, it, it's so crazy to me that it came out in 96. But anyways, cool, funky, funky, funk song, right? And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with trumpet and uh, just silly kind of, would you consider it a novelty song? I think it's a little bit I, of a novelty I, I, It's song. pretty close, yeah. Um. But yeah, it would definitely be a it would definitely be a, a five geggy taz from from me. <laughs> wow, sure. wow, yeah. All I wanna do is to thank you, even though I don't know who you are. You let me change lanes while I was driving in my car. All I wanna do is to thank you, even though I don't know who you are. You let me change lanes while I was driving in my car. Yeah, I remember friends having that record, so I, I remember distinctly when it came out. Uh, yeah, great song. Um, I think there's at least one more that Trav and I would certainly want to drive attention to. I think I'll leave the honor to Trav. We haven't coordinated this, but you know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. I'm not ready for it. 
number I seems- number number thirty seven. Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> Fun loving criminals. Um, oh boy. Scooby Snacks. That's a song. What do you think, Al? Oh, I, I mean, that, that's all that really needs to be said. Is I'm Scooby Snacks. I am totally unfamiliar. The lyrics, I believe, in the verses tell the story of a bank robbery. Um, uh, I don't know. Just watch the Scooby Snacks music video. Uh, with s- samples from Pulp Fiction. Hmm. <laughs> well, let's rate who you are. Um, I'll get us started. I, as much as I love this album and we just went crazy over it, I, I, I can't give a super great rating to this song. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't necessarily stand out as a single, uh, but I will give it four Ticketmaster convenience fees. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'll give it a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because of the album that it's on and give it four Jack Iron Butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh... I I feel like this was one of the as I- interesting as the song is as interesting as it is that it was a single and the lead off single from this album it is I would say one of the least interesting songs on the album uh one of the least inspiring songs on the album um but I still think it's good I my my album rating for No Code I would give right now in this moment I would give No Code 4.5 out of 5. Um, mm-hmm. However, who you are, who you are, <laughs> I will give um, four bones that mother love. <laughs> wow. Is this, was this two in a row? Of, no, uh, no, uh, no, not no, two in we're, a row. Okay, but, okay, uh, okay. We're, we're, we're not uh, quite Pepper, sure. Pepper we gave. We yeah, all gave we fours. all gave fours. Okay. Hey, I like it. I like I like us being in agreement. Uh, Nirvana Wannabe? No. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like we could end up talking about it for another 30 minutes, the relationship between Nirvana and Pearl Jam. But right. um, this band is, uh, they're, they're the real deal. Um. I, I can't wait for them to come on tour. I, yes. I, I haven't seen them, and I, th- I feel like I would be willing to pay uh, pretty much any price to see them this time around. Yes. Um, tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. Uh, Next week, I'm excited to talk about a band that follows in uh, the proud tradition of the jangle rock of the Feelies and the DBs and REM, which is one of our favorite subgenres. Sorry, did I say jangle rock? I meant to say Janko rock. It's <laughs> It's down by 311.
Jinko Rack. Yes. See you then. Bye. Bye.